You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. And I'm super excited today to talk with Helen Dwight about product launches done right. Helen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. And uh, thank you for having me. Welcome to be here. I know when we last spoke, you were overseas and now you're in the States. You know, tell us a little bit about that journey. Like how are flights like, like what is your flight experience? Was uh, our crew members super excited to see you? Because I'm, I'm assuming there's not that many people in planes. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, transatlantic, um, not very many people at all. I think there were probably about 30 people on a 787. Um, but uh, needless to say, that was great because I uh, had a lot of space. But um, I would say the experience was was fabulous. Um, British Airways crew were uh, amazing and um, absolutely there, ready, willing and, and able to, uh, to to serve. So I, I, it was it was a great experience. So I think of you as an industry super veteran. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got to SAP and, and a little bit about your role today. Uh, well, I don't know whether I would say super veteran, but uh, very kind of you. Um, it's a long story, but I'll try and abbreviate it. So uh, I started my career in the UK, um, uh, actually working for Oracle and um, through uh, various uh, different um uh, evolutions of my career. I've basically uh, covered product marketing, uh, channel marketing, um, field enablement, uh, technical pre-sales, um, as well as uh, being a, a marketing lead for a startup. So I've had a, a lot of experience um, both in the UK, the US, Latin America, um, and had a number of different roles, you know, obviously at a global, regional and uh, a market unit level um, in Brazil as well. Superb. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the topic today because we haven't had, I believe, on the podcast anybody who's spoken about product launches. And I know product launches mean anything and everything to everybody, especially in the Bay Area. It's about like, let's have a big party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So can you tell us or what is your definition of product launches and like what's your mental model that you have perfected over the years? Yeah, it's a good question because I think sometimes when people think of product launch, they just think of the press release. Um, for me, uh, a product launch is everything from, you know, as soon as you've defined that product um, at a development level, um, all of the steps that you need to take to take that product, not just to announce it to the market, but then actually to take it um, and sell it in the market. Um, so for me, a good product launch is one that um, you're able to create that immediate impact with the market, but also then um, you've created that impact. Um, hopefully then people want to to purchase what you've, what you've announced or what you've launched. And, and again, so like this morning, there was another 
very popular vendor in the Bay Area, right? They're supposed to launch their stuff in November, but they're now doing sneak peeks and trying to build excitement towards a launch. Is that part of the product launch process? Like, is that the modern product launch that we create all this FOMO towards the, the product launch? Or, uh, or how do you think about that? I mean, I think is every every company does it differently, and I think every company needs to do it according to the style of of their organization. But I think there are certainly a number of different tactics that you can take in marketing to build that excitement. Um, I've seen I've seen similar um, examples. Um, I remember there was a company a few years ago that that just kept putting a a white banner out with a question mark. And and of course, that then creates a lot of intrigue as to what's going on and is something is about to be launched, but what is it and where is it? And I think the natural reaction of, of individuals, people tend to be curious and when they don't have all the details they get more curious and that's what creates that engagement and and that excitement to some degree so i wouldn't say it's you know an absolute must have but certainly there are a number of different tactics you can do to kind of create anticipation and and build excitement for the product that's about to be launched so i'd love to dig in into preparation for the product launch mm-hmm. because in my mind it it seems like and it's and the startups that I've been a part of, right? It seems like ninety days before the date that the CEO has said we're going to launch this or the CPO has said we're going to launch this product is when all the excitement starts. But I feel like like the preparation for the launch or the product launch uh, it starts way 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 before that. But I'm curious, right? Like of all your your experience is in launching products successfully, like what's the template that you believe is a appropriate one and then of course i'm pretty sure people have their different uh uh, things that that companies do to kind of make it spicy and stuff but what's the what's your template um i mean well i think first of all you've got to leverage the opportunity um and think about you've got a certain amount of time um how are you going to maximize your resources how are you going to maximize that time and maximize your coverage in the market but more importantly differentiate what you're doing um and use the time and resources well so we think you know number one thing is what is it that you're that you're launching is it a new product or is it the next release of a product so you, you kind of need to define well what it is you you are launching and then more importantly your objectives. Why are you doing this, and what are you trying to achieve? Uh, you know, a lot of people might just go, oh, "Okay, I just want to announce a product." But what is it you're trying to achieve with that product? Are you trying to define a new category? Um, are you trying to move up and get a better traction? You know, maybe in one of the magic quadrants in an existing category. Um, are you trying to maximize revenue? Obviously, with most products, you're trying to sell and, and maximize revenue, but can you do it in a different way? You know, who are you trying to sell to? Um, and I think also timing is really important. I mean, we're going back to the the, the, the fundamentals and the basics of marketing, right? Um, time and um, what you're selling, when you're selling and, and who you're selling to. Um 
But on a timing perspective, you've got to think of or take into consideration things like, you know, is this going to conflict with maybe other initiatives that you're running? Um, or could it get lost in the noise of, of what's going on in the broader market? And obviously here in the US, election season's coming up, right? So you want to be careful about, are you going to get lost in the noise and is nobody going to care about what you're talking about? Um, and then I think you've also got to, more importantly for me, Think of uh, joining the dots and creating the link between what you're announcing and other things that you may have been doing um, and other activities that then gives you an opportunity to amplify um, what you're putting out in market. Um, And then the last thing I'd say in terms of, you know, how I think about this is what are the foundational elements? So there are some key foundations that you need to have in place before you do your your product launch obviously you need to have your product but you need to have understood that your position in the market and that entails doing your competitive evaluation defining your unique value proposition and making sure that you've got evidence or proof points second you've got to from that define your message you know what is it you're going to say and to whom and why is that um, so compelling And then the third thing as it relates to the messaging is testing, like make sure you've tested that message um, before you go out. Obviously, you're never you may not get it 100 percent right first time. Uh, That's the beauty of marketing. It's uh, it's uh, an art and science, but you should do at least some testing, initial testing to make sure that you're you're in the right direction. You'll obviously continue to evolve and fine tune your message as you go out in market as you sell the solution, as you get feedback from customers. But it is important to test it um, initially before you go out. And you can do that with, you know, independent third parties. Yeah, and I I love that idea because so many times people don't know that there's multiple ways that you can just test, even for startups which have MVP products, right? They can, they can still test the... The, and it's not a landing page test, right? You can actually just do prospect tests and, and even customer tests if you have some design partners. But I don't know if many startups actually understand that. And then on the flip side, you have large, large, large companies who have full processes, right? Where you have got mm-hmm. a launch that you're going to do in 35 countries. It's it, Legally, it has to be approved, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All the compliance measures have to be done. All of this orchestration for uh, for local marketing that needs to be done. That's quite, quite a heck of a job. So from your vantage point in, in where you are in your career, when you have to launch a product, uh, like, like what does that cycle look like? Is it a, a year-long cycle? Is it a month, like, like half-year-long cycle? What does that cycle look like? No, it, it's, it's a really good question. I think a lot depends on, on what you're going to do and how you're going to do this launch. But it is very you know, not dissimilar to when you put on an event, right? When you put on an event, an event lasts for maybe one or two days, um, but you've done at least six months of preparation work before you get there. Um, you know, I would say for, you know, solution launch, a lot depends on when you're counting the time from, but, you know, it could be from when you're defining the product all the way through to when you're launching it, that could take a very long time. That could take, you know, a year, two years. But once you've got the solution itself, um, depending on the, the, the kind of the, 
the razzmatazz and the the show that you want to put on, I would say it can take anywhere from you know three to to six months to be to be preparing that uh, to be getting it out to market. Now you can obviously do make some shortcuts, um, but I would say there are certainly some um, besides the foundational elements. There's um, the sequencing of how you roll things out is also super important to maximize your opportunity and and be most efficient and really get all of your ducks in a row to make sure everybody's on the same page uh, as you launch the product to be able to capitalize on that and and, and sell it and market it. So is there a list of like, like this is like the Helen's top seven things that have to be there before I'm going to launch this. Like, is do you have if a rubric like that? Yeah, I mean, there, there's I've mentioned the the first one. Obviously, you need to have product. Yep. Um, you need to have um, evidence. You need to have customers that are actively using the product and um, are willing to talk about their use of the product. Um, those are going to be critical. And I think one of the mistakes I've seen sometimes is that people don't spend enough time uh, in that beta phase or when that early phase when customers or that adoption phase in evaluating the, the, the solution, making sure that the solution is is doing the things that the customers love um, and making sure that you've got some some great um, evidence and, and testimonials. So you've got your your position, your message, your your cust- your customers, um, and then obviously the um, there are some other things that you need to do to make sure that everybody in your company is aligned and understanding the message, um, including your sales team, um, and including making sure that you've got your sales and content collateral together before you then actually um, uh, start talking externally um, to to analysts and, and press. And. Is there something as a speed to launch? And I say this because given the macro trends that we've experienced over the last six, seven months, right? Mm -hmm. There have been some companies that have immediately said, hey, we are the platform for work for home. Or, hey, we are going to help you with vaccine management. And there's no way those companies could have predicted this, but they launched something. Mm -hmm. So. So I feel like there's some level of news jacking that's taking place, right? <laughs> but 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 there's also something to be said about the 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 speed to launch, right? That they could yeah. come back, they could t- uh, draw from their core competencies, mm-hmm. and uh, and then and then figure out that hey, we could with software plus services like launch something in in the in the marketplace. How do you think about that? What's what's your what's your feedback on that? No, I mean, absolutely. And that's something that we've all had to do. Um, And certainly at SAP, at our company, we were able to pivot and adapt very quickly. I I don't know if if you saw some of the offers that we had, um, free use of Ariba, um, use of Ariba for for, um, kind of supply chain and identifying suppliers. you know, identifying people that could provide hospital beds really quickly or people that could uh, partners that could provide um, PPE equipment. I mean, that, that type of thing we ramped up extremely quickly. Um, 
Qualtrics, the use of Qualtrics to understand customer and employee sentiment, um, all of those things were done within, you know, the matter of, of days. Um, and and that, is, that is absolutely possible because to your point, you're using your core competency. You fully understand the value of that solution in the market. And you're really just making that solution available to the audience. And, and there's a captive audience and and there's an audience that absolutely needs this solution right so you're being highly relevant to your audience um in the most meaningful way 100% and you know I used to think about product launches as just like another feature launch or we're going to make this big splash but my thought process has changed. I think product launch is all about relevancy, right? And I know there's a little bit that being talked about, but clearly my experience is far, far, far lower than your experience, right? And so as I'm going through life and and through through uh, experiencing all these things, it it just seems like like for companies that have some at some point in time, because every company goes through a period where they have to redefine who they are, or maybe they have to re-message why they're important, right? And 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 fixing something so that people can make use of it, even though it may be a short-time uh, use, I think is a fantastic way of staying relevant. And again, I'm speaking from a level of like mid-market or SMB companies. Clearly, like companies like SAP have no problem staying relevant. Well, I, th- I think I, I wouldn't, I mean, companies shouldn't rest on their laurels. I think you, regardless of the size of your company, you always need to be evaluating are your solutions meeting the mark for your customers? Um, are you, do you, how, how do you need to adapt and adjust and, and, um, and, and stay relevant? And, and that's the important part um, is, and you have to, this is why in marketing, you have to be constantly aware of the changes and the dynamics that are going on. Um, and if you don't, um, you're, you're, you're going to find that your market suddenly starts dwindling and dwindling. So you have to be constantly on your game and constantly uh, being in tune with what's going on in the market. And I think that's why um, the the Qualtrics solution we had was actually highly relevant and very um, well received because it was a way for companies to take the pulse of and to understand the sentiments of their customers and their employees and be able to understand, um, you know, how much do I push and promote? Um, do I need to adapt here? And do I need to provide be providing an alternative service? So. So I'm curious again, mm-hmm. if you have assembled a SWAT team of sorts anywhere in your experience, right, where you can take advantage of these market shifts or the capability of responding to market shifts is just something that you are day in and day out uh, in the uh, encouraging your team to respond to like how because 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 the way i think about it like let's say you have 50 people but mm-hmm. all those 50 people are like really working hard on this like short-term goal long-term goal and then all of a sudden there's an opportunity so does everybody pivot for a time being or do you have a spot team that responds to this type of things no i mean i think you you've you've got to be um you're smart about how you use your resources. Obviously, you've got some in- individuals that are subject matter experts, and and I would say if someone's a product marketing person or if they're uh, a subject matter expert, then they they're 
probably constantly looking at what's going on in the market and and trying to adjust their their messaging. But when you've got something like you know COVID that happened or uh, a, a major issue like that, then you probably want to have a very specific team that can work on putting together that offer. Um, and you've got the rest of your team kind of doing their business as usual. I mean, one of the things that um, I'm also looking at is um, how we can have individuals that, you know, their their role is is just being in tune with and, and trying to look um I'm calling an incubator, right? But um, somebody's role is is constantly trying to think about new ways of of reaching our customers and and new ways of trying to um, uh, achieve that relevance and and achieve that connection. But I think you know, to, in, to summarize, I think you've you've got to have people that are still doing keeping the business running, but you would put together a a, a SWAT team for urgent things to get those out to market. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. I, I would love to stay connected to see how how that that journey goes because you know that person or individual has to kind of be like a jack of all trades, mm-hmm. but naturally like high, <laughs> right? And and then they they're they're always like trying to like be inquisitive, but about different combinations and permutations of all the pieces that are available to them, right? And then they they're just like experimenting over and over and over again in the uh, mm-hmm. with uh, with with manageable data sets. So yeah, I mean, uh, you've got to have you've got to have the right um the the right profile, right? The right individual, right. and and it's it's not something very often these types of roles are things that you set up because you've got the right individual, um, not the other way around. And I think when you've got individuals that are like a, you know, a Swiss army knife that they're seasoned, they're experienced, they're creative, they're curious, um, they're smart, um, you know, they can, they can adapt to these different situations and be senior enough to know what's what's relevant or strategic enough to know what's relevant and what to drop and what to focus on and what not to focus on. So I think it's a it's a small you know it's it's not something that everybody can do but I think when you find though that talent and when you find those individuals um you should try and leverage them. I agree. I mean, those are the, I call them breakthrough individuals because mm-hmm. <laughs> you just don't know, right? Like there's something that's going to come out. It's going to be great, but we don't, we don't always know because they're not going to hit it every single time. But when they do, the returns are going to be great, right? So that they are. And I think, you know, we actually did a, we actually did a survey is off topic of the product launch, but we actually did a survey um, within my team. Uh, with a company called Oxford Economics. And we actually found that um, there's this type of individual that's called an interconnector, and they, we called them an interconnector, but the kind of individual that that does act as that connector between different departments, between different groups, they've got that big picture thinking vision, and they can see the possibilities bet- to, to make those connections and to take those new ideas to fruition. And and it was noted in this report that it's a fairly small percentage of of people within an organization that are like that. But when organizations have those types of individuals, then they are more successful at being innovative and and, um, creative and, and 
um, getting through situations that we've um, all been through and we are going through at the moment. And 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 many times, those in, individuals do need some protection because you know with it because they they yearn to break through, but then all of a sudden. If everybody else around them doesn't fully understand their charter, there there's all kinds of interesting issues coming. I, I have I have a bunch of people that I've spoken to about this topic, and uh, and maybe that's a separate podcast. But yeah, it sounds uh, like we're going into a separate podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should probably yeah. get that contract. But, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I do want to talk to you as we as we wrap this thing out. Right? Uh, is the we're talking about product launches when they go right right or the mm-hmm. right product launches right but what about when they go wrong uh, and of course there's a huge like emotional drag to 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 everything but 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 do you have a a recommendation or again some sort of advice where when things go wrong because again it's a launch you don't know what's going to happen no matter how much testing you could have done right because if somebody would have done a bunch of testing on a product launch and all the way till march 15th and then march 16th covid hit like you there's nothing in that person's control except to say let's shut it down right but if given even at the scale at the at uh, the level you're at like a whole army of people are like working towards it, right so when product launches go wrong what happens or how do how do we how do we cope with it well i mean so i i take that in two parts so to address like i wouldn't say necessarily going wrong but you mentioned something there about uh, you can plan um as much as you like but there are certain you know what we call acts of god or a certain acts that you can't um uh you you can't foresee uh to your point uh covid hit um nobody was we there was some warning signs but nobody was going to know that it was going to impact um quite in the way that it did uh, and in fact, in that situation, we did have some programs that were ongoing um, that were about to uh, launch. Um, and we had to do a very quick pivot. We still launched them, but we made some adaptations and, you know, took 24 hours to make those adaptations. But we did them. And fortunately, it was a digital activity anyway, which made life easier. So I think to your point in that situation, you either need to um, you need to decide to adapt it or you decide to shelve it and, and do it later. But I think um, the second part of that that I'd focus on is not necessarily launches that have gone wrong, but, but some of the, the common mistakes that, um, I, that I see. And I think certainly when I go back to my startup days, um, you know, one of the things is quite often you can develop really cool products, but who's it for? <laughs> and so that's one of the, the common things I've seen is development of a solution, but there's really been no necessary thought about who it's for. And so sometimes you're having to um, think, try to figure out how you're going to sell this solution and who's most likely to want to buy it. So that's one thing. Um the other thing I've seen is, you know, what is the news? Sometimes people want to, oh, wait, let's do, a, let's do an announcement. Let's do a release. But you have to think about what, what is the news and why is this relevant and why is somebody going to care about you doing this product announcement or this news? You may care, but you have to be thinking about whether the market and your audience is going to care. Uh, the other area that's a, another common mistake is um, proof. 
Um, it's one thing to say that you're the best thing um, ever, but who's going to back that up? Uh, you can say it, but you're not impartial and you're not a, a neutral third party. So it is super important. I mentioned earlier, um, certainly I believe in getting those beta customers. Um, one of the launches that I did, um, we had a 20-page magazine article on customers that were using that solution. So you've got to create that impact if it's going to you know, be a value. Um, and then the other areas I would, two other areas I would say, um, you know, one is if you're not, if you don't have that foundational message house, then your message consistency is going to vary and that's going to confuse your audience. And, you know, when you do in a launch, if you just do the launch without doing some of the enablement, then that's a huge lost opportunity in terms of, of revenue. Um, and, you know, it could reflect badly on you as well. So those are just, uh, I would say, the the five things that I would say are um, some of the, the common mistakes or the common uh, things that people don't think about. Thank you for sharing that. And normally we do a, how do we action product launches, right? Or think about it, but we've got so much rich information already that we've spoken about, uh, about both. How do you do it right? And then if sometimes, if things are not going in the right direction, what steps do you, do you take? So thank I mean, you for... I mean I, could, I mean, I can summarize those actions, which is basically, yeah. you know, the foundational elements, sequencing is super critical. Um, looking at how you go from development uh, to your customer um, and then getting that feedback back um, and also then making sure you get that feedback loop from your customers and that you're tweaking and, and fine-tuning it. It very much is a, a circular thing. Perfect. Sounds like the flywheel. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes in circles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so figure out where you start. You get better every time that you go around, the, every iteration gets better. Yeah. Well, sounds like you're really enjoying your role. And thank you so much for sharing insight uh, from your experience with us. Let's go to a little bit of the fun part of the uh, the podcast. You know, we always ask if you have two or three people that you respect and admire in the industry that you would like us to bring out of the podcast. And the reason why we do that is because when we started this podcast, we had an idea that we wanted to connect with people, but we did not know what this podcast would become. And then we didn't have this like three to five year strategy for the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. But what's happened over the years or over the episodes is that every guest has left something with the podcast. And we started off uh, connecting with, with people that were less experienced. And now we're with people that are extremely experienced. And uh, But we have five different ways of product marketing and three different ways of growth marketing mm -hmm. and four different ways of customer marketing. And every, every person that's, that's introduced us to new people has given us fresh perspectives. And so it is actually your podcast too, as much as it is mine. Yeah, no, I, and I love, I love the, the idea and the notion. And in fact, you know, I mentioned the whole notion of interconnectors and in, essentially you're providing this, this function, right? Because we're, we're creating these connections uh, between each other and uh, broadening the, the network of, of expertise that you have. So um, 
a few people spring to mind actually. Um, one individual that uh, lady Mandy Lynn, who who works for me, um, she's done some incredible uh, work. Uh, super smart uh, individual and always provides a, a a good insight and perspective a strategic perspective on on programs and and how to get those um things done and and get them out into market um i have a lot of respect for uh another person that actually worked for me juliana rocha who um is somebody that i worked very closely with uh, an early talent in Brazil and now actually works in the US. Um, And I think just in that move and some of the roles that she has done in the channel organization, um, both in Brazil um, and also working in the US, um, you know, gives her a very different and unique um, perspective in seeing both markets. And obviously we both worked in both markets, but I mean, it is interesting to see the dynamic and and to see somebody that has um, you know, started their career and to see where they are now at their career and, and to make some of the, the evolution and the changes that she's made. Um, and I would say probably um, uh, my boss, uh, Kim Albrecht, who I, I respect a lot, has um, had a very uh, strong career in, in IT working for um, – some big name companies uh, like Microsoft and also worked for Concur and uh, Concur is one of the acquisitions that SAP had and has got a very um, broad and diverse perspective on the, on the market in general uh, in marketing. So those would be some names. Superb. Thank you for sharing. And I love that they're all women because we definitely need more women yeah, to be on the podcast. So this is great. Well. I have a few guys as well, but um, definitely wanting to support my uh, fellow women. Yes. Superb. So we, we tried to have something, some fun with, uh, with the last few questions. And so <laughs> one of the questions we do is if you were to condense this podcast into a hashtag, what would it be? Because you just don't know how things go viral. So Helen, what would your podcast be? Mm, I think um, I would want, I've kind of got a couple that I would think of. Um, I think one might be hashtag join the dots because we've been talking about uh, the need for the connectivity um, and that sequencing, which is so important. The other one might be um, hashtag get noticed or hashtag rise above because the whole point of this uh, exercise is to do a launch in such a way that you are going to to get noticed and you can do some you know i've done some interesting things before in the past like uh taken a new product and try to launch it in um i remember we took a product and launched it in paris where our major competitor was um and did that element of surprise and uh had a whole host of, of various customers that were going to endorse for us and it was a you know complete surprise and, and took that vendor um you know didn't didn't have a response immediately so i think those would be some of them superb you know in in true launch fashion we're going to test both how do, how do you oh, think about okay. that yeah you can test both yeah Let's see which one. <laughs> like it that's great so i know our audience is global and if folks wanted to connect with you to ask questions what would be the best way for them to do that 
Uh, yeah, no, I'm more than happy to answer questions. Um, I have two email IDs. Um, my SAP is uh, helen.dwight at sap.com. Um, but actually, I also have another one, which is helen at bizfluency, B-I-Z-F-L-U-E-N-C-Y um, dot com. And either of those uh, emails work, but probably the latter because uh, I don't want my uh, SAP inbox getting inundated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have Even no more than <laughs> problem getting emails in- internally. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Helen, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the show and sharing your insight and good luck on your journey. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure and I uh, look forward to talking to anybody that wants to connect. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.